0: Good morning. It's good to see everybody out. I know we've got a lot of people who are dealing with illness and still some traveling, but it's good to see you all here as we gather together on the Lord's Day to worship Him and praise Him together. And it's been a wonderful day to be here and to do that with you all. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Haggai chapter 1. We could have a Bible race to see who can find Haggai first, but we won't do that. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles in front of you, that's page 1089. It's a small book near the end of the Old Testament, but it's got a very powerful message that we're going to talk about this morning. As we begin 2022, this is the time of year in which most of us, if not all of us, are thinking about what's next. We're making goals, we're making plans, we're thinking about the future, we're thinking about our families and where we want to see them go over the next year. It's a time of both reflection as well as looking forward and making plans for our future. And It's a powerful time of year and it's important to do that. And that really is what I want to talk about this morning as we look at the first few verses of Haggai chapter 1 together. Because what we're going to see as we read this is just what Jim read for us in Ezra chapter 1. We're going to see a group of people who had been sent back from Babylonian captivity to rebuild Jerusalem. They had a goal. But the goal that is given in Ezra chapter 1 is not just a generic goal of go back and rebuild Jerusalem, but it's a very specific goal to go back and rebuild the temple. That is the mission. That had been given to the people of Israel. That is the goal that God had set for them. And what I want to do is turn to Haggai chapter 1. And see how the people handled that. What did they do with the goal that had been put in front of them? What did they do with the plans that God had for them? Let's read the first 11 verses together of Haggai chapter 1. Haggai prophesying during the time of Ezra says this. In the second year of King Darius in the sixth month. On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, "Thus Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains on the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. What did Haggai see about 17 years after the people of Israel had been sent back to rebuild the temple? What did he see when he looked around? He saw a bunch of people that were living pretty comfortably. They had nice homes for themselves. They had established routines and jobs. They were planting and harvesting. And God's house still laid in ruins. Now here's, here's the principle that I want us to take from this this morning, and then we'll narrow it down to some specific application. Here we are at the beginning of 2022, and we're thinking about goals, and we're thinking about priorities, and we're thinking about plans that we want to make. And I want to challenge us and encourage us as we do that to think about whether our plans and whether our goals and whether our priorities are in a line with God's. Because the people of Israel, they they had completely missed the picture in regards to what God prioritized when he sent them back to Jerusalem. There was nothing wrong with them building homes. There was nothing wrong with them having a place to live. There was nothing wrong with them planting vineyards and harvesting crops. But their priorities hadn't matched what God's priorities were for them. He sent them back to rebuild the temple and to restore the worship that had been destroyed. And to restore the relationship that he wanted to have with his people. And after 17 years, all they had done is build really nice homes. Now This isn't, this isn't a lesson about putting God first. I don't, that's, that, that, that's true. Don't, don't misquote me there. That's true. That's good. That's not what this lesson is about. This lesson is about identifying what God values. And what God prioritizes in our lives. And making sure that as we make goals and we make plans. That those plans reflect an alignment of those priorities with God. The people of Israel were struggling with that mightily. And it took men like Ezra and Haggai and Zechariah and Zerubbabel and Nehemiah to bring them back around and to see the error of their ways, their priorities weren't matching God's priorities. What they valued weren't matching what God valued. And so with that big principle in mind, the importance for us today to seek to do what the Israelites missed In order for us to actually put that principle into action in our lives, we first have to know what it is in our lives that God prioritizes. Now, he was very clear with the people of Israel, wasn't he? Ezra chapter 1, we just read a minute ago, when Cyrus made the decree, he was very clear about what God's priorities were for the people of Israel. Go back and rebuild the temple. And so for us today... When we think about the plans and the goals that we're going to make, what is it that God prioritizes? What does he want from us? And before, before we can make goal, goals and plans that align with those priorities, we first have to know what they are. Now, the list can be quite long, and by no means am I intending for this to be exhaustive. But, but I thought of a few things that I think God prioritizes for us the scriptures spell out for us, that he prioritizes in our lives as his children. And I want to challenge each of us to think about the goals and the plans that we're making for the year and the years to come, and to see if those goals reflect a matching of priorities with what God sees as important. And the first one that I think we have to recognize that God sees as important is he wants us to be more like him. And with each of these, I'm going to have several verses listed below. We're not going to turn to those and read, but if you're taking notes and want to jot those down to look at them later, that would be great. But these passages support the idea that God wants his people to be more like him. He wants us to be defined in the way that he's defined, as love. And he wants us to be defined by righteousness. He wants us to be appalled by sin. He wants us to be like him. And so as you think about your future and the plans that you're making, are they taking you closer to God? Are they making you more like him? Or are they going to make you more like the world? People of Israel had chosen to be more like the world. Because when they started to rebuild the temple, what happened? There was a lot of opposition that came up with that. Because when you start to make your life reflect God living in you, there will be opposition that will arise. And it will be very easy to lose sight of just how crucial it is that like God, we become defined by the things that he is defined by. And I would challenge you even to take this idea a step further and ask other people in your lives, I'm, I'm trying to be more like God in my daily walk. Would you define me in love, would you define me as someone who clings to righteousness? Would you define me as someone who doesn't want anything to do with sin and will stand up against it every opportunity that I can? Is that how, is that how you see me? Is that, is that the persona that I give off? Are those the attitudes that I reflect? Now, that's only going to be beneficial if you're able to talk to someone who will be very honest with you. And that may very very quickly become a very uncomfortable conversation to have. But what God expects of us and what he prioritizes is for his people to be like him. And that's not going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen just over time. The temple wasn't going to be rebuilt just because the people were in Jerusalem for 15 years temple was only going to be rebuilt when they got to work and they aligned their priorities with God's and they saw the value of what they were sent back to do. And the same is true in our lives. If we want to be more like him, we're going to have to get to work in that area. We're going to have to make sure that we are putting plans in place, setting goals in our life that reflect our desire to be more like him. He also values the time that we spend worshiping together as a Christian family. I put up there a couple of passages. You can't see them yet. In Psalm 122 and verse 1, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 and 26. And there can be others. We see in the early days of the Lord's church, in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, the the, the crucial nature of the brethren being together. It was a part of their lives. God prioritizes the time that we spend with one another and worship to him. And it's really easy to sit down and make plans for the year ahead, and you put all of your travel in, and you put all of the activities that the kids have in school in, and you put all of your work schedules in, and everything gets in there, and then you realize, uh-oh. All of these kids' school activities are on Wednesday nights. Or all of my work schedule falls on the weekends. Or, oh, this vacation that I've really wanted to take for so long, it's, it's going to keep me away from my, the brethren. It's an indication that our priorities don't match God's. He wants us to prioritize assembling together and worshiping and edifying him. Encouraging one another. And that means when we make our plans for the year, everything needs to revolve around that. Because when we align our priorities with God, when we value what he values, then things will work out for us. Just like the people of Israel and all the opposition that they faced And all the reasons why you could say this was a terrible idea in the first place to go back to a city that was in ruins and try and rebuild the temple and rebuild these walls and rebuild the city. It's a terrible idea, and there's all kinds of opposition that you're going to face. And God provided for them every step of the way when they aligned their priorities with him. And he'll do the same for us in our lives. And that may mean making some sacrifices, But if we truly want to emulate this idea, this principle that we see in Haggai chapter 1, if we truly want to emulate that in our lives, we need to be willing to make those sacrifices to prioritize what God prioritizes. He prioritizes our growth in the areas of kindness and generosity. We just finished our study of the Gospel of John where Jesus there talks about a new commandment that he is giving. And it's not... Love others like you love yourself. That's no longer the command anymore. The command now is you love others like I love you. You see, God values love and kindness. Brandon did an outstanding job of leading our thoughts at the Lord's table. And at the conclusion of that, as we talked about our giving, God throughout the scriptures has given us examples of his people having a giving mindset and a giving attitude that he praises, and he will provide for those people. That's what he wants us to be like. He wants us to prioritize those things that he prioritizes. Because doing so creates a dependent relationship between us and God. The people of Israel, again, to go back to Haggai chapter 1, the people of Israel, they weren't too keen on the idea of being fully dependent on God. They wanted to be able to provide for themselves. And so they build nice homes, and they have nice vineyards, and they do everything that they need to do to provide for their physical needs because that's what they valued, that's what they saw as important. And what God says is if you prioritize what I prioritize, then I'll take care of those for you. But what happened in Haggai chapter 1 when those priorities weren't aligned with God? Drought came. And all those physical provisions that they had made for themselves were gone. Now what? The same can happen in our lives if we're not prioritizing God and his ways. If we get too keen on providing for ourselves. There will come a day, either this side of eternity or the next where we come face-to-face with the consequences of those decisions. God wants us to prioritize what he prioritizes. And lastly, he wants us to prioritize being thankful. Wants thanksgiving to pour out of us in our prayer, in our speech, in our actions? To be the kind of people who recognize what God has done for us. And I thought as I was reading through pages of um, we're in the process of just began the trimester of teaching Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah and as I read through those stories for so long the people of Israel missed the gratitude element that they should have had as they looked around and saw what had been given to them Cyrus sent them back with everything that they would need to prosper God fulfilled his promise of sending them back out of captivity to Jerusalem All of their needs were met and provided for. But they were so blinded by the physical elements of life that they couldn't see the spiritual blessings that God was providing to them. And as such, we see a people that weren't grateful for what had been given to them and the opportunities that were put before them. As his followers today, it's incumbent upon us that we're able to put aside the physical parts of life, and to recognize the spiritual blessings that God has been given to us. As a child of his, I have been saved. As a child of his, my sins have been forgiven. As a child of his, I have a home in heaven waiting for me. The only response I can have to that should be gratitude. And it should pour out of me every moment of my life. And so a goal that I want to have is to show that more frequently. I want to live a life that demonstrates my gratitude for what God has done for me. And just like with the other things we've talked about this morning, that's not going to come about naturally. We're going to have to work at that. So what can you do tomorrow? What can you do next week to train yourself in the area of gratitude? What can you do to train yourself to be more like God and to prioritize worship And train yourself in kindness and generosity. What are the steps that you need to take to be more like God and to show your alignment with him in terms of what he values? I saw, or I listened, excuse me, I listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago. It was really fascinating. It was a man being interviewed who had rowed across the Atlantic Ocean which just seemed crazy to me to even think about. And even after listening to him describe his journey, that still seems impossible. But this man rowed across the ocean. And he was a collegiate rower. He had grown up rowing. but, But he described the process of transitioning from the calm waters of lakes and reservoirs to open water rowing in the ocean and how big of a difference that made. And one of the things that he talked about was when he was rowing in college and those types of things, he started at point A, and he could see point B, and he rowed in a straight line to get there as quickly as he could. And that's how he was trained to row. And he was very, very good at it. But he very quickly realized that when you get into the ocean, that doesn't work. Because if you start at point A, and you see point B, and you draw a straight line, and you try and row that straight line very quickly going to realize that you come in contact with currents and with winds and with weather and you're going to have to row twice as hard to cover half the distance and it's never going to be an efficient way of doing things. And so he described having to learn how to work with the currents and how to work with the winds and how to work with the weather. And so when he got to the other side and he looked at the map that he had followed to get there, it was anything but a straight line. But... It was the most efficient route, and it got him to point B as quickly as he could and with the least energy expended so that he could make sure that he still had enough gas in the tank to finish that row. I think that is a very apt description of our lives as Christians, and especially when we think about this idea of setting goals or making plans. Uh, naturally the way that we think is I'm currently here and I want to get here and so this straight line is the most efficient way for me to achieve my goal. And we set checkpoints along the way that we're going to follow so that we get to point B and we reach the finish line. But oftentimes what that doesn't take into account is what God has in plan for us and what he wants us to prioritize. Because if point A is the job that you currently have, and point B is the promotion that you want, God may have some different plans for you between point A and point B. But if you are so set on following that straight line from point A to point B, what you're going to find is you're going to be rowing against the currents, and you're constantly going to be battling the winds, and you're going to have to expend twice as much energy to cover half the distance because we're not aligning our priorities with God's, and we're not putting our confidence in him, We're not depending upon him. We're not aligning our priorities with his. And he'll get us the point B. We've got to trust His plan for our lives. And we have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to put my life in your hands. That may mean opposition arises. That may mean I take some turns that I didn't see coming. That may mean that my life goes in a completely different direction than what I'd anticipated. But if I prioritize what God prioritizes, if I see the value in the things that God sees value in, then I can rest assured that his promises will be fulfilled in my life, and that he will take care of me, and that he will provide for me. And the route that I'm on, wherever it may lead, it's the one that he wants for me, and it's the one that's going to lead me to heaven, which for all of us should be our ultimate goal. And nothing should get in the way of that. There is no physical goal, there are no plans this side of eternity that should ever take our focus and our attention off of what God has planned and planned for us in the future. And so as we conclude this morning, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing that Haggai asked the people of Israel to do, and that is to consider your ways. When you think about the plans you're making and the goals that you're setting, consider your ways, do they demonstrate a life that is aligning itself with the priorities that God has? Or does that list of goals and the plans that you want to accomplish, are they very physical in nature? Are they somewhat blind to the spiritual reality? God has called us to a life of service and a life of dependence upon him. And I would encourage us, there's nothing wrong with having the goal of getting a promotion at work. There's nothing wrong with that goal. Just like there was nothing wrong with the people of Israel building homes. But make sure that the priorities that you have in your life reflect what God values. And you allow him to direct you from there. So if you're here this morning and you recognize that your priorities perhaps are misaligned, maybe you're thinking about the plans that you have, the future that you desire, and you're realizing that what God desires for me what God wants for me haven't really played much of a role in the goals that I'm making. I would encourage you to change that, to think about what God prioritizes, and not just limit it to the list that I had up here, But dig into scripture. What is it that God wants to see in your life? What is it that he values? What is it that he prioritizes? And if you need to make changes, we're here to help you with that, if we can. One of the interesting things as you read through Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, as I mentioned a moment ago, the people constantly needed someone to course correct them. And Ezra served in that role, and Zerubbabel served in that role, and Nehemiah served in that role, and Haggai served in that role, Zechariah served in that role. They needed people to constantly course correct them, to realign their values with God's. And the same is true in our lives today. We need each other to be that course correction for us at times. And so the invitation is extended to you. If if you want that help, we're here to do that. We're we're here to help you with that, to pray for you, to to work with you, to, to walk with you as you try and align your priorities with God. If you're not a child of his, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. There would be no better way to start 2022 than by gaining a new brother or sister in Christ. Where you lay down your will at the cross and you allow God to be your guide. You allow him to be the one who directs your steps. Allow him to be the one that protects you, provides for you and lead you to home with him in heaven. If we can help you do that, please come to the front as we stand and sing.